Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, proudly brought to you by Municipal Solutions. My name is Jody Jenkins. I am Tony Clement. And if you didn't know, Tony, which I'm sure you're well aware of this, but this is our 52nd episode, which means we've been doing this officially for one year. For one year, you know, another year older and deeper in debt. Right. We're going to talk to Aaron Woodbrick about, about that. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's a great honor to have uh, been around for a year now, 52 episodes. And, you know, in the podcast world, uh, that's relatively rare because some people start podcasts, then they get onto other things and then they kind of lose uh, faith in their podcast. So there's a lot of sort of hanging shad podcasts out there. But uh, I would like to think that we are ones who have toughed it out, and uh, we now are into our year two of podcast history. Now, this is a big milestone for us, so I think it's fair to ask, did, did you get a cake or anything? Uh, well, we're still in wedding mode right now, uh, so the, <laughs> wedding, the wedding cake that was made was for my son's wedding, not for our purposes, so uh, I think we'll have to hold you off could on have, that. You could have had them done a little small cake for the podcast yeah a little cupcake or something yeah <laughs> i'll say i'll save us a cupcake touche touche yeah. you'll save us a cup. and how was your son's wedding by the way well we're recording this uh the day before the wedding so oh yes yeah. sorry i'll have sorry. lots of stories next podcast i'm sure about the covid wedding how that went yeah because it's going to be uh it's going to be interesting for sure with all the social distance measures. I know we have an amazing guest today, and I'm going to let you introduce him, and I'm excited for this program. Well, I am too, and it's our honor to have as our 52nd podcast guest, Mr. Aaron Woodrick. He is the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and the Canadian Taxpayers Federation has been around for many decades now. It is there to protect the taxpayer, to advance the interests of the taxpayer. I'm sure Aaron will get into that. Aaron Woodrick, thank you, and welcome to And Another Thing podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so I'm going to ask, uh, I, I'm going to start off and just ask you, you know, when you were in grade school, was it your, you know, you always wanted to be the federal director <laughs> of the Canadian taxpayer. How did it come to be that you have devoted, you are devoting this portion of your life anyway to the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Tell us that story. Yeah, I've been with the CTF about six years now. Actually, this week was the sixth anniversary for me being the federal spokesperson. Um, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer by trade like yourself, so I'm a recovering lawyer. And I, I did have uh, some partisan history behind that for the, uh, for the blue team. You know, when I was in university, uh, you know, I helped run a few campaigns for politicians and things like that. And, uh, you know, I ended up in Ottawa, you know, doing legal work, doing some lobbying. And then when the CTF job came along, it was just it's a very unique job. I mean, it's uh, you get to be involved in politics uh, without being a partisan, which is unusual for people that are day to day. But uh, also unusually, you don't you don't have a client like a lobbyist does. You know, if you're a, a lobbyist for, uh, you know, a certain industry or group. Ours are, it's just a more general principle. It's the principle that we're out there looking out for, uh, you know, the regular taxpayer and sort of to be the voice in Ottawa. There's a lot of people calling for more, more spending, more programs. There's not a lot of people standing up to say, hold on, can we afford this? Is this a good idea? So we try and fill that role. We try and be the counterweight to all the people asking for more, more, more. We're there to sort of say, hold on a second. 
you know, can we afford this? Is this the best idea? Is it is it a little bit lonely sometimes in Ottawa with this kind of role? Because, like, as you say, everybody's there with their hand out or we want a national strategy on this or we need more money for that. And we'll, don't worry, it'll multiply. If you just invest, uh, you never yeah. say spend anymore, you say invest. If you invest this amount of money, the multiplier effect will be amazing for Canada. So you're kind of the lonely voice in the wind sometimes. Yeah, it's certainly lonely at times, but you have to remind yourself that it's a different universe outside Ottawa, and you'll know this as well, right? I mean, here in Ottawa, sometimes things that uh, everybody thinks is a great idea and they're congratulating themselves on, you get an hour outside of Ottawa and suddenly people are shaking their heads and saying, well, how could anybody think this is a good idea? So I remind myself that I'm uh, I'm sort of in enemy territory. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, it's, a, it's a wonderful city to live in and, and you know raise a family in, but boy, the mindset sometimes is just very out of touch with what goes on in regular people's lives. I kind of feel sad for Ottawa or any capital city because when you, we use it as short shorthand, you know, Ottawa did this and Ottawa did that. <laughs> it really wasn't Ottawa. It was like 338 people in Ottawa's parliament. But uh, uh, so this is not, no offense to Ottawa as a city or a region when we say Ottawa on this show. So what, what are you working on now? What are, what are the big stories you're following or what, what's keeping you up at night? Well, I mean, obviously, with the pandemic, the sort of deck has been scrambled with with issues. I think anyone that had any plans, government or otherwise, before the pandemic, it's kind of out the window. Uh, and and now, you know, there's there's obviously the concern about the spending. Uh, I'm the first one to to agree that there was a lot of money that we just had to spend right now. There was no getting away from that. But I also think there are people who are increasingly wondering, well, how are we going to pay for this? Are we going to start to wind things down at any point? Um, we can't keep doing it forever. So, you know, just sort of reminding that although a lot of this is necessary, we also need to be looking for places where we can maybe save a few bucks. I think that's sort of the the most common sentiment I'm getting. And you were asking earlier about feeling lonely. I can tell you, I, I have more people on my side than ever when it comes to concern about deficits and debt. You know, that's often a struggle in normal times to get people to think about why that matters. But I think the nature of the pandemic has just made far more people intimately familiar with what's going on because they themselves are receiving benefits and they you know, they understand it's borrowed money and that it has right. to be paid back. And so I think it's sort of for the first time giving people a sort of personal firsthand experience with debt in a way that we hadn't really seen before. I mean, it's really uh, a, a turning point because uh, I've seen some of the polling, which does support your contention that people are getting more concerned about deficits and debt uh, at the national level and provincial levels for that matter. And uh, the, uh, that hasn't been the case for about two decades. For about 20 years, uh, it has been out of favor with uh, Canadians to, to worry about debt and to try to be a bit more austere. Can I dare I say the word austerity? <laughs> uh, and, uh, you, know, the, you know, the 2015 election... Uh, two major parties campaigned on having a balanced budget, the NDP and the Conservatives. And Justin Trudeau and the Liberals in that campaign, the 2015 campaign, said, no, no, we're, we're, we're going to be the party of the deficit. We're, we're okay with having a, quote, modest deficit. And they won hands down. And they won NDP voters hands down. So but all of which is to say, now we're at another turning point where all of a sudden people are going, whoa, you know, how, how is all this going to be paid for? Are you, are you getting that sense as well? 
Yeah, I think I think these things go in cycles, and I think interest rates are low and the deficit is relatively small. You're just going to have fewer people that are concerned about it. That's 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 un, uh, you know that's inevitable. But now uh, the size of these deficits. I mean, when you tell people that we're spending two dollars for every dollar coming in, they just intuitively understand because they know they have they have budgets in their household. They know that if they were spending ten thousand bucks every month and only bringing five grand in, that this would eventually become a problem. So I think. Um, I think that even though some of this spending was necessary, people also understand that at some point we're going to have to make some harder choices and they're going to become suspicious, I think, of politicians that assure them that don't there's a free lunch. There's never any concern uh, because they know, you know, I, I've had to borrow money. I've had to pay it back. Uh, our governments are going to have to do the same. Jody, before I hand off to you, I want to say that this portion of our program is uh, also supported and sponsored by merchantfreedom.ca your trusted experts in credit card processing and merchant services. They have low rates, fast and easy processing, no hidden terms and fees, and they have e-commerce solutions for you. They have a special, uh, they have a special offer for veteran entrepreneurs of Canada. No setup fees, no cancellation fees, no contracts. That's especially for the veteran entrepreneurs starting out uh, through, and that's powered through virtuous payments. So please check out merchantfreedom.ca. Jody, over to you. Yeah, and I'll also say you can find all that info and more by going to our fabulous website and another thing podcast.ca. Aaron, I'm curious to get your thoughts, and I don't know if this is putting you on the spot too much or you know asking too much of you, but given the current situation with the pandemic, um, we've seen the restrictions. Uh, be implemented in the province of Ontario. Some areas have been rolled back to previous phases. I'd love to just get your thoughts on is affect the economy. I just saw a couple days ago some new articles in the Toronto area from some large chain restaurant owners that are literally saying they're they're going to have to close their doors if something doesn't happen, uh, whether it's from the federal or provincial level. But just your thoughts on how devastating these restrictions are, warranted or not. Yeah, look, there's no question. There, there's never been an economic shock like this in any of our lifetimes. This is this is a hugely damaging uh, environment for any business uh, to be ordered to shut down for months on end. Uh, you know, most many businesses will not survive it. And frankly, the only reason many of them are still in business is because of temporary supports from the government. And I think my real fear is we, we have only scratched the surface of, of the long-term damage because a lot of the real damage is being uh, masked right now by these temporary supports, right? If you look yeah. at, you take business models, uh, you know, you say you're a restaurant in downtown Toronto or downtown Ottawa, and you rely on uh, you know, a certain level of foot traffic from office workers. Uh, do, we don't even know now when this is over if those traffic levels are ever going to go back to normal. I mean, it's entirely possible that you're going to see, I don't think remote work will be at the level it is now forever, but it'll probably be higher than it was before the pandemic. And that's going to, that is going to mean a permanent change for some of these businesses. So, you know, it's still hard to sort of uh, sort out who's not salvageable and who's not. And it's a tough conversation to have for a lot of those businesses, but uh, it's still relevant because remember right now we're spending a whole bunch of money to prop businesses set up. And at some point we're going to have to discuss like who, who can we help put back in a position so they're viable and, and for whom can we not do that? And should we try then? Is that a good use of taxpayer money? I know Tony. Jody, I know Jody, you're, uh, you're in mourning because, uh, uh, Le Chateau had to file for bankruptcy. And I know that was a big place for you for your, <laughs> All of your clothing. That's huge. 
my <laughs> pants. That's where I got my pants. Exactly. Exactly. I, you know, actually, it's fourteen hundred workers that are losing their jobs. So seriously, just, I didn't hear that. Oh yeah, no, it's it, Le Chateau has, has gone under. It's filed for bankruptcy. It's it's actually oh, wow. a sad story because terrible. Uh, you know, there's four one thousand four hundred Canadians uh, who are out of work as a result of that. So I'm not wow. trying to. I, I'm making fun of you. I'm not making fun of Le Chateau. I yeah, make yeah, that yeah. Good. yes. But uh, yes. Aaron, uh, you know, from from your perspective, um, you, you know, what's what's going on in Ottawa? You know, we had the we had the just of just averted, uh, you know, snap election. Uh, a lot of politics being played there. Uh, Jagmeet Singh, uh, I call him Liberal Junior these days because he's always propping up Trudeau. Uh, but, uh, and that was on the issue of, you know, obviously the wheat charity scandal and account, but the wider issue of accountability. Yeah. And now, now the opposition conservatives are saying, okay, our next step is we want you to be accountable for what you're doing on the pandemic, how you're spending the money and that kind of thing. Is that something that your, your members of the Canadian Taxpayer Federation get concerned about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are obviously first and foremost about taxes and spending, but our third branch that we spend a lot of advocacy time on is is transparency and accountability. I mean, this is a, this is a thing that should cut across the political spectrum. I think it does. Is that you know whatever the decisions governments make, uh, there should be as much transparency as possible. Uh, it, the government should be open by default. And you know, I will say, Tony, in, in their campaign platform in 2015, the Liberals had a lot of good stuff in there on transparency. I mean, if they had kept those promises. I think groups like ours and many others would have been very happy. Fortunately, they broke those promises like they broke many others. And uh, you, you're now treated to this spectacle in Ottawa where you have a government which uh, is is going out of its way to just sort of flaunt basic rules of transparency. I mean, they, they basically said to the opposition this week, if you dare ask the wrong questions, we're going to pull the plug and have an election. I mean, that is yeah. it is it's completely unreasonable. I mean, it, that is the job of the opposition, of all the opposition parties, is to scrutinize and criticize and hold the government to account. And yet for them to play this game, I mean, what's next? Are they going to say, if you asked a, a, a nasty question in question period, we're going to treat that as a vote of confidence and and we're going to we're going to an election? I just it's it's pretty outrageous. Hey, I got to ask you, you know, uh, back in the day, like I'm talking the 70s and uh, 80s in uh, Washington, D.C., there was a senator named William Proxmire, and he had something called the Golden Fleece Award. And he would find examples of outrageous spending by government. You know, it might be a $50,000 bolt bought by the Department of Defense, or there, there, there's all these cases, yeah. and he'd he'd award the Golden Fleece Award to a, a a worthy recipient every year. Do you guys at the Taxpayer Federation do you do you keep track of those kinds of things? Yeah, we do. We actually have an awards called the Teddy Awards. Uh, it's named after a guy. His name was Ted Weatherill. He was a federal bureaucrat, and he got busted back in. It was around 2000. He had thousands and thousands of dollars in dining and travel expenses. So he eventually he got the boot and we named these awards after him, the Teddies. But uh, yeah, we've had some doozies over the years. I mean, we give a lifetime achievement award. I mean, Bombardier has won it. Um, Governor General uh, has won it. Uh, one of my favorites in recent years was the uh, you may have heard of that 
the hockey rink, the skating rink on Parliament Hill. Oh, this I was remember. a great, yeah, because everyone in Ottawa, this is a good example, everyone in Ottawa loved it. They thought, oh, this is great. I mean, I can go skating. And you get an hour inside of Ottawa and people are like, excuse me, you spent $6 million on an outdoor rink? I mean, you could have built, how many outdoor rinks could you have built across Canada for that? And then to add insult to injury, it's of course, you know, a block away from the longest skating rink in the world, which is already there. So it was a real, uh, a real worthy uh, award winner, I would say. I'm glad you do that because I think, you know, I, I obviously it's poking fun at uh, at some people and things, but uh, it, it does uh, shine the light on some of these decisions, which, which you know, uh, you're right. 400 yards from Parliament Hill, people are just sort of scratching their heads. What do you think, Jody? Yeah, no, I'm uh, has Tony ever been in the running for a Teddy? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. There may have been something called gazebos up there. I can't remember exactly. It was before my time, but, uh, but you know, it's, it is a, um, you know, it's not a partisan thing, right? I mean, governments are big and, um, and money is going to be misspent. And part of the idea with these awards is to have some fun with it. Right. And you can use humor rather than just being, you know, a Debbie Downer about it all the time. And, and some people ask me, well, does it do anything? I, I think sometimes it does. I mean, governments don't like to be embarrassed. And if you point out that they've wasted money on something silly, well, chances are they're going to take at least some basic steps to make sure that it doesn't happen again. No, I, I think it's really worthwhile. And uh, I just want to state for the record yet again that the gazebo <laughs> costs the taxpayers $11,000, not the $50 million that everybody thinks it does. So I, I'll, I'll put that $11,000 gazebo up against the $6 million ice rink. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there, I've thank you. I've, I I feel so much better. My therapist will be happy now. <laughs> I managed to get that off my chest. Uh, Aaron, I, I gotta I gotta ask. Uh, you know, uh, you're right. We're in we're in uncertain times, and uh, I'm sure it's it's sometimes difficult because we're in a crisis situation. But we're gonna have a, an economic statement coming up. Uh, why should Canadians worry? Interest rates are low. Um, uh, the uh, you know, the, the the cost of doing the spending is low as a result. Uh, mortgage rates are low. Uh, inflation is low. Why why should Canadians be concerned? Well, look, if interest rates stay low forever or close to zero, I mean, maybe we won't have a problem. But that's a huge gamble. I mean, to me, that's sort of like you're, you're building your plan on just a hope. You know, we're, we're, we've been lucky at the casino all night, so the streak's going to continue. I mean, it just has to, right? And and I, I just think that's a very dangerous attitude because nobody can really explain how or why interest rates got that low, and no one's going to be able to explain when they're going to when they're going to rise again. And that's my worry. I saw a study from CD Howe this week that said that for every um, uh, every percentage point increase in the effective interest rate, you're looking at an extra ten billion a year in interest costs. I mean, that is a substantial sum of money for a one percent wow. increase. So I that's think. Crazy. You know, you're really pinning a lot on this assumption that they're going to stay low forever. So, um, you know, again, I know that we're the, the pandemic's not over. I know it's not a matter of just, you know, flick the switch. But if there, if people are going to say we shouldn't even worry about it at all, well, remember last time it took about two decades for the debt to become a serious problem, and you know, it it, it it took a long time, and it wasn't a problem until it was. And I, I for one, you know, I think if we've learned anything in 2020, it's sometimes things can go badly pretty quickly, you know, when you don't expect them. And I would rather be on the safe side of that than just sort of gamble and hope that uh, interest rates never go up again. 
Aaron, I'm curious too, for our uh, listeners and subscribers, if people want to find out more about your organization, what's the best way to do it? Yeah, sure. They can check out our website at taxpayer.com or on Facebook. We're pretty active. So you can look us up there, Canadian Taxpayers Federation page. Well, I just was I, I, one final question from my end. Uh, I'm glad you talked about Facebook there, uh, Aaron. Uh, you know, it used to be in the in the old days, uh, the before days, perhaps you would you'd send out mailings, uh, you know, and highlight some taxpayer waste and and you'd, you'd raise some funds for your operations, that kind of thing. Are, are you uh, are you? mostly in the Facebook and social media space now? Is that how you get your message out? I'd say it's closing in on 50-50 now. I mean, I still do, I probably do five or 600 media hits with TV, radio, newspaper a year, but it's increasingly obviously social media is a, some people don't watch regular news. Um, so it has changed, but we're, um, you know, we like to think we're a pretty nimble organization on that stuff, but it's definitely, that that's where a lot of the people are going. And so we, of course, want to be there too. And how many podcasts have you done so far? Oh, we're not quite caught up to you guys. I think we're at 30. We just launched one probably three or four months ago. So as you might imagine, a lot of talk about taxes and spending on ours. And what's the, what's the name of your podcast? So it doesn't. It's the Canadian Taxpayers Federation podcast. We have not been able to come up with a catchy name. So if anybody has one, feel free to share it with us. Okay, there we go. Well, we certainly wish you every success, my friend. Same to you. You should call it the gravy train. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I in like honor, it. In honor of a dearly departed uh, mayor of Toronto. He was never part of the gravy train. That's right. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Aaron, Aaron thanks so much for doing that. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Lots of insight there with Aaron, another excellent guest. And as mentioned in our interview, uh, people are becoming more aware of the debt situation. Maybe not aware, but they're paying more attention to it, I guess. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's crept up into the into the uh, the front of the uh, of the of the issue, and uh, you know I think it was in the back of people's minds, but uh, now with these super deficits of 350 billion or whatever, uh, different different kettle of fish. So we'll we'll keep it we'll keep an eye on this topic, and we might have some more guests who will have some perspectives on that. And uh, we're coming down to the final stretch of uh, the U.S. presidential elections and Senate elections and whatnot. But uh, so we'll we'll maybe have some commentary in a couple weeks on that, Jody. I'd love to get dig into that a little bit with you. Maybe we'll get well, uh, we'll, we'll go get ahead. somebody. Yeah, we'll get somebody from the who's uh, emerged from the U.S. political cycle uh, who will give us their point of view on that as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, I, I put another hundred bucks on Trump the other day with a gentleman. So you did, eh? I did. I did. So I've got, know, I've got right? quite a few of that going on right now. Well, Biden, and then I know national polls mean nothing. Biden was ahead by 10 and a half and now he's down to 9.8. So he's actually lost support in the last few days. So that's interesting, I find, but we'll see. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to, you know, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, Florida, North Carolina. We all know that's that's where the action's going to be. So uh, hang on to your hats on election night. And don't forget our sponsors, right? Uh, MunicipalSolutions.ca and MerchantFreedom.ca. We, we appreciate uh, your sponsorship. And uh, they're both uh, great companies. So check them out. All right, Tony, enjoy the uh, the wedding you got to go to. 
or uh, I guess this will be airing after that. But uh, I hope you enjoyed the wedding that you had to go to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you wanted to go to. And exactly. uh, I'm looking forward to doing another show in seven days. You bet, my friend.